This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio 315-437-7644. I said this to you prior to the show, Seth. I uh, haven't brought it up on the air yet, but br- going to bring it up now uh, right here. I-, I go back to, and you were just talking about historical things, and three years ago this happened, and one year ago this happened. A couple years ago, Syracuse beat Virginia in a game that I still don't know how they won. I don't either. Virginia had a big lead. Syracuse starts pressing. Malachi you know, becomes Michael Jordan down the stretch, and, and they somehow win that game in, in Chicago, and they, they go on to the Final Four. Still don't know how they won that game. I compared the game yesterday to that one for different reasons. Now, obviously, Syracuse didn't fall way behind against Michigan State, but I, I still scratch my head, and I, it's hard for me to grasp how they won that game. When you look at how much Michigan State was dominating down low and the fact they were plus 21 on the backboards all those offensive rebounds that they ended up with all those second chance points that they ended up with I've got the stats right in front of me let me flip to the the front here 29 offensive rebounds Syracuse had 30 total rebounds in the game Michigan State 21 second chance points 21 second chance points a lot of misses it is a lot of misses, but even even so, twenty one second yeah. chance points. You know, and, and Pat, I think I think it was Pat who brought it up at the at the top of the show when he said that you know he was surprised they didn't try to to get it inside a little bit more. Adrian Autry said the same thing. I'll say the same thing. I think Jim Beheim was surprised too, and he was just like, you know, we got kind of lucky. You know, Jaron Jackson had a bad game, and and like I I was yeah, you know, to your point, the this big question. Yeah, I I have the same feeling after yesterday's game that I had a couple years ago that Sunday night in Chicago. Um, that game was weird. That game was shocking. I don't know how that game happened. Um, I was actually thinking about it on Friday night when Virginia went down. Uh, you know, when they, when they lost to UMBC, I was thinking about that game because it was just that shock factor of, wow, how did they blow this lead? Wow, how are they losing by 20 to a 16 seed. And and I feel that same way today. I feel that same way after yesterday's game of I I don't understand really how Syracuse won that game. Like I, I don't really grasp how Syracuse won that game because they were killed on the boards. You know, Michigan State was putting up threes and you know threes are worth more than two and and they just had a terrible shooting night and I they scored 55 points. Like, I, I can't wrap my mind around how they won that game. Let me throw this out there. If you go back 10 years, so I'm talking post-2006 run in the okay. Big East Tournament. So don't include that the Jerry McIntyre right, run right, in the Big right. East Tournament. But the last, we'll say, 10 years, is that a top-three victory? I mean, because it's six, over, six overtime game so. and the Virginia game, I think, immediately come to mind. Is I mean... That was so improbable, like what they did against that team in that environment yeah. with this squad, like this Syracuse squad beating that Michigan State team in that venue. To me, with, it's with one of the most nineteen thousand Michigan State fans and and the small and I don't Syracuse know how fans. it played on on TV, Seth, but being there, that place was. I mean, it was ninety percent Michigan State. That's I mean, what, it yeah, was. That's what I was saying. I mean, some Purdue fans left, um, and there was a pocket of Syracuse fans. And the rest, I mean, it was raucous. And to Syracuse's credit, they never really let it get 
truly except for the bridges dunk. Electric, yeah. It, it was that truly electric during the game. Before the game, it was when they came out on the court during warmups, the opening tip. I mean, the place was jumping, and then quickly it it just died down. And Syrac- it Syracuse settled into that tempo that it wanted to play, and the whole first half was like that. Then there's that crazy shot to close out the half. The place goes berserk again. But then there was the break. Right there's, there's halftime. Then it comes out to the second half. And there was the dunk by Miles Bridges. The place erupts. Jim Beheim immediately calls timeout. What do they do? Out of the timeout, I brought it up to red. Battle gets a basket in the yep. foul. It goes from five back down to two. All of a sudden, the crowd starts getting nervous again. Th- those were really the two instances. The play at the right at the end of the half, and then they had the built-in break, and then the dunk where the place went berserk, and then Jim Beheim created a break, and then they come back and battle hits one of the biggest shots of the game to bring it from five back down to two. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. It played that way on TV. It played like it was 95% Michigan State fans, and that the only Syracuse fans in the building were Dave Bing and Derek Coleman and Mike Tirico and, and Ed Levine, who was sitting <laughs> who was sitting with them. Uh, like, that's how it played it on TV. Like, like those those five, six people that were sitting behind the Syracuse bench were the the Bayheim family was there too. Don't so they forget were the Brissett for family. They were sitting literally right behind me. O'Shea's mom, she she can yell all day long. Like she <laughs> she is, I mean, she's got a lot of energy and she just she brings it for 40 minutes, believe me. Yeah, I, I mean it like it it played like those 15 people were the only Syracuse fans in the place. And I'm sure there were a couple more, but it, it really felt like that. And that was a road game. And I, and I, I want to mention this, too. I saw a couple of people who were like, oh, wow, what a tough break. They, they have a road game. They, they were a top three seed. Like they, they deserved that. Uh, Syracuse, if they were a top three seed last year, would have gone to Buffalo. Right, Buffalo it's or New same, York City. It's the same or, thing. Yeah, or Albany. So, right. They We've gone seen to, that in the past. They, they would have gone to Buffalo and then the Garden. Like right. It's the same exact thing. So like I, I, I say... Job well done to Michigan State for winning 28 games, 30 games over the course of the season. Job well done to Syracuse for going into what amounted to a hostile road environment and winning that game. And I think that plays into uh, the how improbable it was yeah. and and where it lands on your list. Uh, you mentioned the six overtimes. You mentioned Virginia in the final in the Elite Eight. And you mentioned yesterday. Uh, I'll throw one more out there, but this is really probably like a, a personal one and not really that it was that big a deal. Uh, when they beat Georgetown in the last game at the Garden, I thought that was I thought that like that didn't mean anything, like in in theory, like that didn't mean anything, but it felt like it meant a lot as far as like capping that thing off and putting a lid on the Big East and putting a lid on forty years. It felt like that meant, meant that's a fair. Lot. That's fair. I'm not sure. I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't put it up with the other. I was going to say I'm not sure it surpasses no, any of those other three. No, but that's one of those ones yeah. that I think of over the last. And there are others. I mean, there yeah. are others. I mean, you think of Tyler Ennis's, you know, half court shot at Pitt to remain perfect. I mean, there there have been a lot of big moments oh, yeah. in ten years. I'm just saying that in terms of which victories come to mind is you know like wow like that. I was, think those are the five. That I think was those impressive. Are the five over the last decade, by the way, six overtimes beating Virginia. Tyler Ennis beating Georgetown and and this one, I think those are like the five games that really stick out. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. We've got Kevin and Poppy wants to check in on some Cuse basketball. Hey, Kevin. Hey, fellas. Woo, we made it, baby. I am so proud of those guys. Um, I I can't even I can't even imagine what they must be feeling like right now with everything they've gone through this season. Um, I, on that note. I know you guys mentioned something earlier about down your team. And I would just like to say 
I apologize to them because I struggled when I filled out my bracket and I picked against them. And and you know what they they taught me this season? Never again will I ever do that. Um, I'm going to stick with them no matter what, and they're going to go all the way to the end. Not that I never believed that they couldn't do this, because I truly believed watching them play with all the heart that they played with this year that they could, and they were capable of winning and beating anybody. Um, and I believe they still are capable, whether they do or not. Um, one thing I wanted to mention um, that I think could be uh, maybe an advantage for us after winning that big game yesterday in that hostile environment, we think back to when we lost to Duke, we were at Cameron. Now we get to go to a neutral court to play Duke. They've got this momentum. They might have a little chip on their shoulder. I just can't wait to see this game and what's going to happen. And, you know, there again, guys, I wish I could be a part of your team. I've got so many things I'd love to say, but I know other people want to get in. So um, I'll get out of this and uh, SU fans, keep on believing. Thanks, guys. All right, Kevin. Appreciate the call. And, and call anytime. We always love hearing from you. And and yeah, it's okay to doubt your team. It, it like believe me, I'm it's a Bills being a fan. Realistic like, fan. It's okay. Like I I am at peace with. It's okay to doubt my team. And when they made the playoffs this year, it was a pleasant surprise, and you're happy about it. It doesn't mean you're a bad fan if would, you doubt your team. Yeah, along the same lines. You, I know we talked about the Bills so much this year, and you, you were doubting them. And and if you listen to the Yankees on deck show that I do with Matt Michael, if you were listening in April of last year. We were like, man, this team's not good. Like, what? What has gotten into this team? Like, they're not supposed to be this good. Like, they're not supposed to be, you know, in first place. Uh, like, it's totally fine. I, I think personally, I think it makes you like a good fan to to doubt what your team can do, right? Maybe it makes a knowledgeable you, fan, it makes right? you more realistic, yeah. right? Like, we came into this year and we were like, Syracuse is going to struggle to win twenty games, and they did, right? They struggled to win twenty games. Uh, you know, they got into the tournament by the skin of their teeth, which I think is better than we thought they would do. I don't think either of us thought they were going to make the tournament. And now to win these games, I think it makes it all the more enjoyable if you had those realistic expectations at the beginning of the year, mid-year, a week ago. If you had those realistic expectations, I think this makes it more fun. Well, we said early on that this team, for SU fans, was going to be fun to root for. And they have delivered on that. Um, They are fun to root for because they play so hard. And... You know, essentially, they're playing with five guys, and and Barama, you know, give him credit. He he played some big yep. minutes yesterday. How about and Braden Bear? Braden he, Bear he goes in, out. plays big minutes, uh, forced a jump ball at the end of that game. Um, but they're essentially playing with five guys, and then you know, Jim Beheim said he goes, "We have no depth." He goes, "I don't have to coach them." I yes, I get mad at the guys on the floor, but they stay out there unless there's, that was unless really there's foul trouble. Um, and it's and it's true. I mean, the, the guards are not coming out of the game. And yeah, I mean, if Pascal gets in foul trouble, you put in Barama. You know, maybe Moyer plays a few minutes to spell either O'Shea or, or Merrick. Um, but for the most part, it's it's five guys to do what they've done. Um, they, you know, they need to be commended. There's no doubt about it. I said, um, I said this yesterday. I ran over here and did a Facebook live after at, at about five forty-five, um, and I, I said, if if this were like a movie, right, and you you needed like the tagline, like the one the one line sell of the movie, it would be like Syracuse basketball, easy to root for, hard to watch, because isn't that what this team is? Like you love them because they get after it. They they dive for loose balls. They're Except for yesterday, they're a good rebounding team. They're great defensively. 
but like they stink on offense, and it makes them really difficult to watch at times. Yeah, and you know what, though? They turn it on when they need to, and Tyus Battle had one point at halftime. And Jim Beheim told him in the locker room, like, if we're going to win this game, like, you need to win it for us. And he it, has that ability to go out and do that. O'Shea has that ability at times to take over. Frank Howard hit some big shots again before he fouled out. Is that the most improbable part of this, by the way? That Tyus Battle and Frank Howard in the seven halves between uh, between the first four, the TCU game, and the first half of the Michigan State game did next to nothing offensively? Well, I, I said it at the half yesterday. I said for Tyus to have one point, right, for them to be in so much foul trouble, both big guys had three fouls, to get crushed on the glass, all of that combined, and to be down only three, and I know that the half, the half ended, you know, it was a brutal way for the half to end with that, that crazy shot at the buzzer. But you'll take that, right? I mean, they had to be feeling good about themselves, down only three with, with everything that went wrong, and then Tyus got it going, and Frank got it going, and O'Shea got it going a little bit. And, you know, Tyus, all he does is he makes big shots when it matters most. You know, minute left, everybody knows who's getting the ball. Everybody knows who's taking the shot. Can I, can I play this soundbite from after the game? I thought this was hilarious, and it, it goes to your point. Jim, when, uh, when Frank fouls out, how do things change? You have to simplify the offense Yeah, we just or? gave the ball to Tyus and opened it up. That's it. So just Tyus That's go? it. Oh. It doesn't really change. It really doesn't hurt our offense. For a short period of time, it might help our offense. He's our best player. He's got the ball. I just, I just love this. Like, we have to give the ball to Tyus. That, that's it, yes. I'm not yes. sure it helps Tyus. or hurts. It, it Does it really change the offense? Isn't that no. kind of what the offense is down yeah. the stretch? It's like, Absolutely. here, Tyus, do something. You know, and there's times where it's, here, Frank, do something. Here, O'Shea. I mean, O'Shea, you know, had a, had a big stretch there against Arizona State where three straight possessions, you know, he's taking it in and, and scoring. They've got those three guys that have that ability. And, and Tyus leads the way, and, and last night he willed them, uh, yesterday afternoon, willed them to victory. Uh, back to the phone lines, we go Jake in Syracuse. Uh, back on with us here on Orange Station. Hey, Jake. Hey, guys. Uh, nobody's giving a shout-out to the Buffalo Bison six men, the FBI. Uh, congratulations to them. We beat Buffalo this year. It was great. Uh, you guys were talking about the five best games in the last ten years. Real quick, I just wanted to pull out two more. Yeah. Uh, Duke, for the first time up here at the Dome, yeah. with us. Uh, CJ and Jeremy Grant having a great overtime. It was a madhouse up here, but the biggest madhouse I've ever been a part of here in Syracuse is uh, February 27, 2010, when the uh, uh, NCAA game day was here, ESPN, and it was 5.30 tip-off, and uh, we're outside tailgating for that game in the freezing rain, and these guys pull up next to us for that game and get out of the car, and this guy throws up a big pile of orange. He had eaten a whole bag of burritos on the way here, and I was like, man, that is a great sign. <laughs> Great. So 5.30, we get in the dome. Everybody's drunk. Syracuse down by 10. He barely realized there's a game going on until they just blew Villanova away and became the number one team in the nation. And That was the best thing I've ever been a part of up here in Syracuse. Thanks yeah. for taking my call. Very cool. And, you know, John Gillen banking in the three to beat Duke. I mean, that's hey, got, there, there have been some great memories. All I'm saying, and I said it just off the top of my head, and I appreciate Jake mentioning a few more. There, there have been a, gr- a lot of great memories in the last 10 years. In terms of improbable wins, Virginia, yes. six overtime game, and, and, and that, that are the top three. That. Whatever order you want to put them in, yes. that, that's that's the top three for me. The Gonzaga game is up there from that final four yeah. round, too. No, you're right. You're right. Let's get one more in uh, here in this segment. Dave and Syracuse up next. Hey, Dave. Hey, what a great win for Syracuse. I just want to say that I think the sky's the limit for this team. I have them in my bracket going all the way playing Kentucky, and there's no way you can't tell me they can't. I mean, they got to take it one game at a time. And in this Duke game, I think we have one advantage. I mean, I know Duke knows us, but it's hard to beat a team three times in one season. 
Yeah, it, it is. It, it's hard to beat a team again. It, it's hard to to play. You know, I, I think that Syracuse is going to have its handful. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that. Uh, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I think they're going to go to the finals. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think that this matchup is interesting. I think it'll be a lot better than it was in Cameron. I think playing it not at Cameron Indoor will have a great effect on this game. Yeah, and listen, you, you got to score more than 44 points, and you, you think that they'd be able to do that. They get this game in the 50s, and, and again, if they can hold them around 55, 60 points like they did, and, and I know that's a big if. I mean, they're such a good offensive team, but what we've seen is they've held three straight opponents that average over 80 points per game, and they neither, you know none of them got to 60. So if you can do that, you're going to give yourself a, a chance to win. Now, Dave, to your point about the difficult to beat a team three times in one year, yes, of course it is. They only played them once. Uh, they played Carolina twice. They, they only played Duke once this year, but it was 60-44. to 44. You know, you held them to 0 for 10 from three-point range in the first half. If you can do that and 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 capitalize on it um, and, and make it a close game in the final five minutes, you never know what can happen. This this team has a knack for winning close games all of a sudden. As I said, 5-0 and in the month of March in games decided by single digits. The one loss was Carolina, and well, there was a double-digit loss. And Steve, they were great at this in the non-conference, right? They were great at winning these close games. Well, I think all of them, they won, they won every single-digit game in the non-conference except for St. Bonaventure. Right, and you look at what this team did, uh, and I remember we were sitting here in mid-January, and we were like, where'd that team go? Where'd that team go from the non-conference? Why can't they beat Notre Dame in a close game? Why can't they beat Wake Forest in a close game? And and I, I think that team has circled around and found its way back. 315-437-7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. For us, it's, it's defense every night. We know we're a defensive-minded team, and we're only going to win games uh, as long as our defense is moving. And uh, we're moving, we're talking, and just making it tough on the, op- on, on the opposing team to get up uh, threes and stuff like that. That was Tyus Battle yesterday after Syracuse beats Michigan State 55-53, moving on to the Sweet 16. And, and yeah, I know I said it earlier in the show, I'll say it again. The, the defense, especially these last two games, has been as good as I ever remember seeing the, the zone. And and, be, I, and I don't think yeah. this is being prisoner of the moment. Again, just watching it up close um, and, and seeing, the again, what he talks about, the movement, the communication. And, and TCU and Michigan State both shot poorly, but it wasn't by accident. Like, Syracuse forced them, by and large, to really tough shots, especially TCU. Yeah, you know, I, I said this uh, on the Facebook Live yesterday, but I, I think this this could be, and I would have to, again, go through the record books and look and talk to people who were at some of these games. This could be the best three-game stretch that we've seen out of this 2-3 zone, you know, that Jim Beheim has had, I think certainly in the last four or five years. And, you know, you look at it, and it has been so good and so dominant. Um, it, it's unbelievable at how... This defense has just clamped down at exactly the right time uh, and really played at a level. And we we knew this whole year that they were a pretty good defensive team, right? But it seems like they're playing at an even higher level now than they have at any point this season. It, it is absolutely remarkable. So the last three games in the NCAA tournament here, Syracuse held its opponents to 52, 53, and 56 points. A combined, a combined like 150, 160 under their scoring averages, by the way. You go back to the last two Final Four runs, and again, I'm not saying this team's going to the Final Four, but you can't help but draw the comparisons. You just said, when's the last time they played defense this good? You go back to the last Final Four run. 
These are the four games to get to the Final Four. Dayton, they gave up 51. Middle Tennessee State, who, remember, was a very high-scoring team. Had a great game against Michigan State, Held them to 50. Gonzaga held them to 60. Virginia held them to 62. The Final Four run prior to that, back in 2013. Oh, they allowed 39 to Marquette. uh, That game was a rock fight. Montana, 34. California, again, they were, you know, Pac 12, they scored yeah. a lot. 60. Indiana, 50. That was the Tom Crean game where you're like, yeah, no has he ever seen this zone on. before? And then Marquette, 39. That was so, a rock fight. That game was brutal. That, you, that game made yesterday's game look like a masterpiece. You, you can't help but draw the comparisons, but the zone is playing on that level. Now, I will say this those other two teams had more offensive capability, no yes. doubt, than this one. So it's. And, and, you know, oh, by the way, Duke and Kansas are standing in this team's weight of going to the Final Four. But in terms of the defense, defense, it's playing on that high of a level as those other two Final Four runs. Yeah, I I think it absolutely is. And and I know that you mentioned, you you point out that those teams were good offensive teams. I don't know. I I mean, again, we'd have to go and look back. offensive teams. I think that these three teams all average in in the low to mid 80s of points that they've just totally shut down and, and misspoke earlier, but they've they've gotten each of them about 30 points under their season average, which is uh, just absolutely incredible. I, I mean, I don't remember for sure, but I think that Indiana team was good, not great offensively, right? I think I think like that Marquette team was good, not great offensively. Uh, it, it it feels like this is a run given who they're playing uh, that that has just been absolutely unbelievable, and and you know to. Regardless of of how much better or if it, if it's better than than that, uh, they've proven that they can clamp down when they need to. Now they need to get offense, and, and to your point, the 2016 team had three shooter, three great offensive players, and Tyler Lydon as a true freshman who was a very good offensive option, I think. And then the, that 2013 team had Carter Williams and Trish and and Sutherland and CJ Fair, Fair. Yeah. and uh, and Raheem Christmas who meh, wasn't that great well, offensively that year. But they had m- far more offensive options than this team. Does. What do we keep saying about this team? They need a fourth score. Both of those teams had, had four. four guys averaging double figures. So the 2013 team, it was Carter Williams, Sutherland, Trish, CJ Fair. The 2016 team, uh, Benege, Malachi. Cooney and Leiden all over double figures. Right. And, and Tyler Roberson that year was was averaging just about nine per game. So that team had five guys okay, who and, could score. And what has Merrick been doing in the tournament? Right. And and that, <laughs> that's my point is that you, you know, know you need that fourth guy. Those two teams both had that fourth guy. Now if Merrick can be consistently that fourth guy, and, and he and he has been uh, so far, he's been more aggressive. Obviously, makes a big big difference. I think that could be a huge difference Friday. I mentioned this earlier, but. If if he gets the ball in the middle of the zone, and we know he's a good passer already, and and has a high basketball IQ, if he gets the ball in the middle of the zone and is confident in what he's doing, and puts up that shot from just inside the foul line that he didn't put up in Cameron, that could totally change the game. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Back to the phone lines. John and Camilla's up next on Orange Nation. Hey, John. Hey guys, it's actually Joe. No problem. Oh, no, hey no Joe. Deal, I'm calling. I just I, I and I just tuned in a little bit ago, but I just I think this has to be talked about and his long, illustrious, amazing, you know, top five of all time coach career, arguably Jim Beheim, this is his best coaching job. And if you look at the numbers and you look at what he's playing with and who he's overcoming, it's not really that close. And it's a testament to these players, but 
it's more so a testament to the guy, the people that complain every year. Why does why doesn't Beheim switch it up to a, to man here and there? It's great that he's not listening to that. Listen, this team has essentially playing four on five because Pascal Chukwu and Barama Sidibe have no legs, no knees. Uh, they can't really catch. I mean, listen, Chukwu is hit or miss. There's times where he has sparks and he's he's playing above the rim, but. Most of the time, uh, a perfect example of what Pascal Chukwu is is that missed lob yesterday where he got blocked by the rim. That really is, uh, is, a, is a broad picture of what Pascal Chukwu is on offense. He's playing – you realize that last night he played Tom Izzo in Michigan State. He had a walk-on essentially playing the last five minutes of the game, and he beat Tom Izzo. You, there's not any other coach, maybe Coach K, in this country – in, in NCAA basketball, that will take this team to the Sweet 16. And it's how he's doing it. He's grind, These kids are grinding. Listen, man, Beheim has his haters. The haters need to sit down. This is an incredible coaching job by an amazing coach in Jim Beheim. And I'm going to hang up and listen to what you guys have to say. Thank you. All right. Appreciate you checking in, Joe. Um, it, it's got to be up there. <laughs> I Look, Steve, Joe, you don't have to convince me. Steve, I, I brought this up a couple weeks ago. Uh, I, I thought that this team... Uh, if they could have made the tournament, if they could have made the Sweet 16, this would be up there with his best coaching jobs. Uh, and the way they've done it, I I, I still believe that. I, I still think that this is uh, one of the best coaching jobs that Jim Beheim has ever done. And I know that everybody will point to 03, they won a championship. How does it get any better than that? Or 96, when they go to the Final Four. 19 days ago, their head coach thought this team was dead in the water. 19 days ago, and yet here we are going to the Sweet 16. He deserves a lot of credit, and I tell you what, uh, these players deserve a lot of credit. And, and you know, I, I talked about at length last week about Tyus Battle, and I said it's been borderline unfair what he's been asked to do. Um, he just does it. He just he puts his head down, and, and he finds a way. And you could say the same thing about Howard and Brissett and you know, the way that, that Chuku has come along and he's playing on one leg and Barama's playing on one leg and, and Merrick has yeah. really improved his game throughout the season. We were talking about whether or not Merrick was going to redshirt before the season started. And he's become a, a key cog, you know, and for a lot of reasons. I mean, opportunity was there. They needed him to play. Is he strong enough? Well, it, he's doing just fine. Strong I mean, he, enough. He, he definitely yeah. needs to get stronger. Um, but they didn't, you know, they couldn't afford to have him redshirt. And he comes out and and he's continued to improve throughout the season. He's getting more aggressive. He's playing with more confidence. Yes, Jim Beheim deserves a lot of credit. These players deserve a lot of credit. They do as absolutely. well. Let's get one more phone call in here in this segment. Uh, Randy in Austin, Texas, up next. Yeah, hey guys, appreciate the time. Yeah, appreciate so, calling from Austin. What's going on? No problem. I'm still a little stunned. Honestly, uh, when when Howard went out yesterday, I have to freely admit I said on Facebook, "Okay, that's it." So, kudos to them, and you guys have covered all the other stuff. But uh, can I vent for a quick second? Sure, go for it. Okay, uh, I and somebody else just said it. So it is, it is fascinating to me. You know, I must be not much of a fan. I'm calling on a work break from Austin, right? How <laughs> I'm a hater if I ever say anything negative, and I know I should know better on social media, right? But the team's not playing really well. Well, you don't bleed orange. Really? So I appreciate you guys letting me, and you guys have covered all the, it's just an awesome story. If they lose the next round, I hope not. It'll just be cool. So thank you for allowing me to vent, and maybe it's my Mets fan, like Steve's Bills fan, kind of (laughs) 
You know, yeah, it's okay. It's okay to doubt your team. I, listen, I'm with you, Randy. It's it's okay. And and if anything, my opinion, I think it makes you a more knowledgeable fan because you know you don't just look at everything. Well, our team's going to win just because. Like this team has some limitations. The fact that this team continues to win despite the limitations, as you said, it's it becomes a great story. We'll take it. We'll absolutely take it. Thanks, guys. All right, appreciate you checking in, Randy. Now get back to work. Uh, we got to take another time out. <laughs> back after this on ESPN Radio.